when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And actually, this wet, mild uh, weather that we have at the moment, it looks like it's going to stick with us. There isn't any real sign, according to Met Aaron, of a cold spell on the way. If anything, it's going to be relatively mild for this time of year. I mean, they're talking of temperatures, uh, they could go to 14 degrees. And I mean, the middle of November to have temperatures of uh, 14 degrees, that is much milder than average conditions for this time of year. Tomorrow, for example, it's going to be another mild and a breezy day. There will be a some rain but temperatures tomorrow tomorrow could even go up to 15 degrees there's some rain forecast for Thursday Uh, Wednesday looks like being a relatively um, um, uh, relatively sunny day rain back then again on uh, Thursday and the good news is that it looks like it's going to be even sunnier at the weekend with Sunday Sunday being the the best of the days over the weekend so enjoy it but we're certainly getting a mild enough winter which is good news all round as we welcome you along to the programme. John Paul is taking your calls 1850-333-103 texts and whatsapps already coming into us at 0862-103-103 no surprise to see texts and whatsapps coming in about the programme last night on RTE the, about the whistleblower Morris McCabe and bless his heart he said in the programme last night that he knew his career was over when the former Garda Commissioner Martin Cannon described his actions as disgusting. Former Garda Sergeant, of course, who's now retired. And do you know what really got to me about the programme was uh, from very, very young age, all he ever wanted to be was a member of Angarda Siakona. So he had a dream as a little boy and he carried that dream with him all up into teenage years and finally got to put on the uniform. And no man could have been prouder than he was the day he became a member of Angarda Siakona. And he had great ambitions, obviously, and went on to be a Garda Sergeant. But now, unfortunately, he had uh, retired. He recalled in the programme last night how he became ostracised, how he became isolated within Angarda Siakona. And why did that happen? It happened simply because he started doing and saying, no more, this is wrong. He started to speak up because what he saw what he was doing was the right thing and I think everybody would agree with what he did was the right thing. Now this whistle, it's called Whistleblower, the Mars McCabe story. It's a, a two-part 
series and the second part uh, will be on uh, tonight but he in particular s- spoke about those controversial comments which was made by Martin Cannon we'll remember them at the Public Accounts uh, Committee where he used that word uh, what, he, what he said what Martin McCabe or what, what Martin Cannon said when he was questioned about what Jerry McCabe was saying he said frankly on a personal level I think it's quite disgusting and uh, Sergeant McCabe, Morris McCabe said that when he heard the word disgusting, he said, I went, wow, I knew I was finished in the guards after that uh, moment. And then last night, for the first time, we really got to hear from Morris McCabe's lovely wife, Lorraine, and everything Lorraine and the family have gone through. She said she was astonished by Martin Cannon's uh, comments. She said it was like a heat going through you. I was just astonished. The venom in what he was saying and his whole demeanour and the entourage around him all wearing the uniforms. And she said to think they were talking about my husband. God help her, God help her. And I thought her piece where she said, you know, walking, I think she was coming back from work and walking you know, up the driveway to her house and, you know, what a beautiful house they lived in. And when you'd, when you'd look at their house, you think, you know, oh, this is a lovely house. Everything is, is grand and fine. Garden is lovely. And she said, little did people know what was going on behind closed doors and the turmoil in which they were living in. And it was turmoil that went on for many, many years. And of course, then probably the worst of all was the false, false allegation of sexual assault on Morris McCabe. How the man even got out of bed and went to work and tried to continue to do what he was doing after that. I mean, but he has absolutely 100% done this, done this country such a great service, such a great service. And he's a hero. He is a hero in my eyes. But what doesn't, having, having what was came out last night and see me what's to come out tonight is going to be even worse. What really does not sit well with me and I mentioned this yesterday was the revelation that came out at the weekend about the civil action that Morris McCabe is taking against the state and against in particular uh, Martin Callanan about you know the false accusations and the slander that was 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 um, perpetrated against him and he is rightly taking a civil action but to think that Martin Callanan is going to be represented by state lawyers and his legal bill is going to be picked up by you and I, the taxpayer. That does not sit well with me and I imagine it won't sit well with a lot of other people having watched that programme last night. If anything it should be the other way around. Every single cent of Morris McCabe's legal expenses. He should be afforded the best legal counsel he can get uh, to take this uh, case. But to think that it's Martin Callanan that he will be paid for by, by the state does, just does not sit well with me and I know I mentioned it yesterday because Drew Harris is to take a look uh, at it, the new guard, the commissioner, he's going to look at it as well uh, because obviously it isn't sitting well with Drew Harris. Some of your commentary coming in this morning, Sandy says on the Morris McCabe story, no wonder we have the taxation and bad welfare system when money, civil service and government time is wasted cleaning up the mess of Angarda Siakona and political corruption. In my opinion, money has been wasted as a result of Hahi Beef Tribunals and now Garda Boys Club. All of that money would financially help so many deprived people. There 
are a lot more cock-ups that need publicity that will shock this uh, country. And Michael by WhatsApp uh, says, Morning Patricia, last night's exceptional documentary, The Whistleblower, which gave the ordinary citizen an insight into the Sergeant Morris McCabe story. How many more cases of irregularities and misconduct of a similar nature will now spring up? It will have far, far more seriously damaging effects on Angarda Siakona than the Justice Charlton report. It would now seem that it's only a matter of time, in Michael's opinion, before the force will have to be stood down and replaced due to the enormity of the internal crimes such as those against Sergeant Morris McCabe and perhaps many more. A sad, sad day for the guardians of the peace. How that man and his family kept their sanity during the last few number of years. It is just unbelievable. And nothing, nothing will ever compensate him or his family for the persecution inflicted on on them by the highest officers of the state, knowingly to be utterly untrue. Looking forward to the conclusion of the programme tonight, uh, says Michael in Castletown Bear. Thank you for that, uh, uh, Michael. Anybody else who watched the programme, your thoughts and uh, comments are welcomed. 1850 to John Paul or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Coming up on the programme this morning, we're looking for your thoughts and uh, comments about the landscape on the Annabella roundabout in Mallow. Now, certainly since the the work was carried out at the roundabout and then it was landscaped, we certainly have been getting complaints in from local people who certainly weren't happy with the new layout of the roundabout. It's a very busy roundabout. A lot of people will know it because it's, it's known as the crossroads of Munster. It's the roundabout. If you're coming from Cork that you get through, if you want to go to uh, and to Kerry or if you, or you go straight through it, if you want to go to um, onto Limerick or if you, you go around it if you want to go down in, into the town of Mallow so it is it is a well known roundabout not everybody's been happy with the layout and seemingly it came up as a discussion at one of the municipal district meetings of uh, Cork County Council it seems that all the councillors are happy with the roundabout and once again I see the horses and riders that had adorned that roundabout they're once again being mentioned and which opens up that debate where are the horses and riders and what now is to become of uh, them Ireland is sadly we're known as the EU capital of puppy farming how are we going to put an end to puppy farming. What do we need to do? There obviously is a lot of money to be made in what is a very, very cruel trade. We export so many of these beautiful little puppies. A lot of them go to the United Kingdom. A lot of them go uh, further afield. Vets will tell you they then pick up uh, the pieces because long term, there can be long term implications if puppies are not raised rightly in the first few weeks of their life. And there's just the most awful cruelty in some of these puppy farms and the conditions that these poor dogs are are kept in. Why is so much of it going on in this country? Why are we known as the puppy farming capital of Europe if other countries have managed to clean up the act? Why and how do we clean it up in this country? We're going to be discussing that. We welcome your thoughts on it. The update on the sightings of raccoons in Mid-Cork. Now there were some stories coming out this morning that one of the raccoons have been captured but we're led to believe there's more than one. So we're going to discuss that. Interested to hear from anybody in the Mid-Cork area seems to be around the McCroom, Fernands, Clondraha, that general area is where these where these raccoons, these wild animals have been spotted. How have they ended up in the wild? You'll
your thoughts please if you spotted one of the raccoons. We will speak with uh, a native of Clonakilty who now lives in Kerry who has written and published her first children's book and she's self-published and we always like to try and give uh, a helping hand out by way of publicity to people who self-publish but it's a book that deals with children's addiction to technology and what really I liked about this book was it's aimed at the children themselves it's to try things to get inside the heads of the children to let them realise the changes in their personality if they get very addicted in this book they deal with the gaming consoles and a lot of those gaming consoles the games are quite uh, violent and it's not just boys boys and girls uh, play on these gaming consoles and they can just get totally addicted I mean uh, Fortnite is this is this new well it's been out for the last year or so the amount of children and young children and adults that I've heard of that are completely and utterly addicted to Fortnite well, well all they want to do is be on their games console uh, playing these uh, games but the, this book looks at the effect that it can have on their friendship groups the effect it can have on them in school the effect it can have on their family uh, unit it's a clever clever little book uh, we'll talk about that later on and then Joe Heffernan we started this last week and we're going to continue it today we're going to talk about uh, bereavement following suicide I mean to lose a loved one you know from a natural uh, death is dreadful and you know you've got to deal with all the stages of bereavement but when it's a sudden death and when that sudden death is because of suicide I think it just seems to me uh, I think it just must add an extra layer I mean bereavement is the toughest darkest place you'll ever go to in your life is when you lose a loved one and you've got to go through all of the stages and you've got to crawl out of that dark dark hole that is bereavement but when you're forced into that dark hole of bereavement because of suicide it's got to be the worst so we're going to look at that uh, uh, today and very conscious and very aware of people who will be listening to us who have suffered a loss uh, through a bereavement and we're, we're very much hoping that you will get something from our piece with Joe Heffernan uh, later on uh, Morris McCabe, a West Cork listener, says, no wonder our country is in the state it's in. I wouldn't have respect for any of them having watched that programme last night. The majority in power seemed to be crooked. Oh, I don't know if you can be that general. Anyway, uh, those lining their own pockets and their pensions. Good on Morris uh, McCabe. Uh, love the show. Thank you, says a West Cork listener, uh, who then adds, Martin Cannon, he's the one who, he's disgusting. Yeah, I think it was the venom in which when he made that statement when he said I remember watching I, you know it's funny I can, it's one of those moments in time I remember watching the news the 6 o'clock TV news and watching Martin Cannon and when, you know when he was saying you know what had been said and he was at the Public Accounts Committee and, and the way he said it you know when he used the word disgusting and I remember it was the tone of his voice that he used that uh, you know when he said frankly on a personal level I think it's quite disgusting it was just the tone I just I remember thinking oh it just didn't sit with me at all and at that stage we didn't know half of what was going on for Morris McCabe that was all to come out uh, afterwards 1850 at 333-103 we are going to be talking about puppy farms later on on the programme Heidi says morning Patricia once again uh, cruelty raising its ugly head we have to start handing out higher sentences 
basis when animals are treated badly. Uh, puppy farms should be looked at to see how they are run and they should be checked by vets on a regular basis. It's one of the points actually I'm hoping to bring up when we have our discussion later on uh, because that's what I think is the big problem with these puppy farms. There's just not enough inspections and because there's not enough inspections there's not enough enforcement. We need to be regularly inspecting these places and then when they're found to be wrong enforcements need to be put in place and we need to shut them down and make sure that these people never ever again are allowed to own an an animal let alone try and breed animals uh, into the future. Uh, Thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862103103 and I've just spotted a text in saying are people aware that post offices are open between 1 and 2 and closed between 2 and half 2? I'm a bit confused by that particular text because all post offices there's a really good if you go on the Unpost website they have a really good sort of a finder where if you want to locate your local post offices and they want these interact of post office locators and you can uh, click in your area and find out you know your nearest post office but you can then click on the individual icon and it'll tell you what time the post office is uh, open at and all post offices they, they've you know they've different some are like for example the main post office in Mallow is what I'm looking at here they open they're open right throughout lunchtime every day except on a Saturday when they close that uh, one, they're, they're only open morning from 9 until 1. So it's individual post offices. So I'm assuming that the post office where you regularly attend has decided to change its opening hours for lunch, but it varies from uh, post office to post office. OK, let's take a break. 1850-333-103. John Paul, taking your calls. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. This Friday, C103 is live from Kavanaugh's of Mallow. Join Nick Richards in the afternoon between 1 and 4pm. We'll be there to celebrate the launch of their new dealership in Mallow and the amazing 191 Ford Range. There's loads happening across the day with plenty of goodie bags up for grabs. Make sure you join Nick Richards this Friday live from Kavanaugh's of Mallow. The new name of Ford in Mallow on C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Now, not everyone is happy with the new design of the Annabella roundabout in Mallow and we often hear from listeners wondering do the council plan to do anything to revamp it? Well, the issue was raised at a recent meeting of the Canturk Mallow Municipal District and joining me in studio with his views is uh, Councillor Gorod Murphy. Good morning to you, Gorod. Hi, Patricia. Uh, Thanks for having me you're, you're very welcome. Now, the new layout has, this is for people who haven't seen it, it has the name Mallow uh, spelt out in large red letters and then there's landscaping around the red letters. Yeah. Firstly, what's your view on the, on the current layout? On the current layout? Yeah. Well, the current state is probably the better okay. word to use to describe it because at the moment the state in my view is simply unacceptable and that's what I said as well at uh, our most recent municipal district meeting. It's not the first time it's been raised now at a municipal district meeting but I think it was the first time that I seriously called for the whole design potentially to be scrapped if it's not improved. We've been told time and again uh, it's been raised almost continuously really since the start of last summer and I understand obviously there were some difficulties with regarding the planting and you know we had the dry summer and that killed off the shrubs etc and then the weeds grew up but the issue isn't so much that that happened but that that nothing's been done about it despite the fact and it's not the council's fault either it's the contractor's fault. Who designed it? I actually don't know offhand. Okay, so um, so it wasn't presented to you at council to decide, do you like this design? 
I think it was. Okay. But I don't think I was actually a councillor at the time. Or okay. So so it was approved to go with this the red lettering of, was, of yeah. Mallow. Yeah. But the, and the actual I, I I see the point you're making that the actual red lettering isn't bad and it mm. clearly states you're in Mallow and it's but it it is it is absolutely the landscaping and that's you're saying is a is a is a contractor's problem. Yes. Well, that's what we've been told and. I suppose the red lettering is a matter of taste, do you know, and yeah. uh, there were certainly plenty of people who were, you know, not very happy with it at the start. And I was inclined to say maybe give it a chance and see, you know, they're meant because uh, I brought it back to the engineers and they told me, look, there are going to be flowers planted. It They'll grow up during the summer. It'll look very nice. And of course, it's almost laughable that the opposite happened and it just got worse from the weeds. So we've really been raising it over the last number of months that something should be done about the weeds. And to be fair, like the uh, council officers or the officials are doing their best. Um, they have been liaising with the contractors and I'm sure the contractors are busy, etc. But do you know, I mean, it's the, frankly the people in Mallow and surrounding areas deserve better, much better than to have the roundabout in the state it is for months. And then and when you drive through that roundabout and go on to the Dairy Gold roundabout, mm. I mean, there's an example of a roundabout that's well maintained. Yeah, a tail and of two main- roundabouts. That's maintained. <laughs> that's maintained by Dairy Gold, isn't it? It is. To the ah, best yeah. Knowledge, yeah. Big difference. It is indeed. Yeah, and I mean. I can understand uh, basically what I called myself for at the last meeting. First of all, I looked, sought an update on it and uh, the senior engineer gave me one. Uh, basically, there has been a little bit of work on it apparently recently, but, you know, I'm no landscaper or whatever. I certainly don't have the professional opinion myself, but just as a lay person driving past that roundabout, it, it doesn't seem to me to have changed at all substantially since last summer and um, do you know I'm really when I'm in the council chamber there I'm reflecting the concerns that are relayed to me yeah, every day it, by it, the that, people that's the it's, it's fair enough to point that out it isn't that you're you're into horticulture or anything yeah. like that like us here on the radio station we're constantly getting calls and, and have been getting calls and complaints about it mm. you're getting it from constituents absolutely yeah and do you know I suppose it's not one of those things that obviously it's not housing etc it's not yeah. something that urgently affects one person it's not a footpath that needs to be repaired or someone falls over and picks up a serious injury but it's just a matter of civic pride really and pride in public spaces that's a good point and but but I was surprised to read um, Maria Harley he was writing about this in the Corkman this week that in uh, a recent Tidy Towns report it did get a positive reaction Yes, that's actually, what be- is beauty in the eye of the beholder? It's <laughs> a good question. It, it, that was, um, yeah, that was mentioned as well by the senior engineer when um, I asked for the update on it. But as was uh, pointed out at the meeting by John Paul, actually, and you know, I completely agree with him. This, the, the tidy towns judges were out a long time ago, long before. Do you know the, the weeds? The roundabout the, was in its and, and the state. weeds, the weeds broke through, and also the horses and riders sculpture, much loved by many, that got mentioned uh, as well. I think it was Timmy Collins wanted it to be put back. Now we have to point out that the horses and riders will never go back on the roundabout. Unfortunately, not. And the reason why is. Well, we've just been told is because of EU regulations, which the prevent, height. Yeah, it's the height for the size of the roundabout. If the roundabout was a bit bigger, it could be. But that's what we've been told. But yeah. um, there are proposals and these were brought to us about two months ago, I think. It was at our Buttevant meeting. So it would have been the start of September. And um, 
the proposal now is to place the horses and riders um, just at the overpass approach to the roundabout from the Cork Road. Okay. So that would be just the the overpass over uh, Blackwater Drive to Hollow Park. And um, I think it's a good idea because you'd actually be able to get down as well, the pedestrians would actually be able to get up close and see the statue as well. So, yeah, and know. and I have to say, when the when the riders, the horses and riders were on the the roundabout, the landscaping was was beautiful. It was used to be almost manicured. Yeah, um, and that was done by the council, wasn't it themselves? I actually, I wasn't a councillor. Oh, right, I'm so sure it was because be. I, because I know we were we used to regularly compliment when they do a new layout and mm-hmm. you know they change it for the spring, summer, and autumn, and it was always it was manicured. It was just it was really beautifully uh, done. Town council days as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, this the, this is true. Um, the listener is saying I think they should put back the horses and riders back on the roundabout. We can't. There's no well, there's no point even getting into that discussion. Uh, there's new rules and regulations. When they were originally put in place, it was allowed, but there's new EU rules and regulations, and it's happening because uh, on all roundabouts it's the same. It's when you develop a new roundabout or any works that's done on a roundabout, you can't have anything uh, that high uh, on it. So the response to uh, all of this when it was brought up, uh, Groot, what uh, what did the official say is now going to happen? They're basically saying to give it a little bit of time um, that the contractors will get out and, you know, hopefully they will put it right. I hope so. Do you know that's but unfortunately, my hope is beginning to to wane at the moment, given how long it's been taken. And essentially, we've heard the same story since we first raised it and have continued to raise it. I do hope that it will come to pass but the, I understand that the the contract was actually for two years to maintain it and we're already nearly most of the way into the first year mm-hmm. and uh, it certainly hasn't been satisfactory to, in my mind anyway up to date OK we'll keep we'll keep a close eye uh, on this one and, and I suppose a much more serious uh, topic uh, you the Cork County Council you passed the budget yesterday was we it, did indeed, it all yeah. went relatively OK it did well, increased it, by 18 million yeah, and I think, you know, there were increases nearly across the board. Um, it was actually the first time, I understand, I wasn't there now before myself, but it was the first time since this council was first convened in 2014 that a budget actually passed unanimously. So with cross-party support. And, um, do you know, I think the reason for that was because the parties themselves got together and sought increases to refocus the budget in a way that I think all parties want and I think the public wants. Um, we sought increases, for example, um, on uh, we, we just a refocusing on the basic core services of the council and outdoor staff. So we got more than two hundred thousand committed to that, which hadn't been. So that, will that mean extra outdoor staff? Yes. Well, wow. we certainly hope it trickles down, and I suppose it's up to us as councillors then to fight for our own areas and make sure that we get as much of the pie as possible. But you know, I mean, when people think of the council, I think they don't think of the extraneous kind of, you know, they don't think of the frills. They think of the basic services. They think of getting the gutters cleared. They think of, you know, the footpaths, the roads, public lighting, all of that. And in some ways it's been kind of, I won't say forgotten about, but just the money isn't being given by the government. And even understanding that, you know, the government needs to move on it as well as the council I think the council could still be doing more and that was the basic point that we made yesterday Mm. there was also increases and um, in 
I think homeless services. Yeah, and yeah. that was another increase. Because housing which, obviously is the yeah. huge one. Is is the huge one. And, and just very very briefly, because we're up against it on time, but I know you are a member of the Southern Regional Assembly, which a lot of people won't know about, and they they they've published the first draft on the regional spatial and economic strategy. What's interesting here is the status of Hub Town, which had been designated to Mallow quite a, quite a number of years ago, and not a lot has spoken about it. That got mentioned again. Yeah, and uh, this is essentially a renewal of that status, except hopefully in a more effective form. Mallow is now one of two key villages in uh, Cork County. Clannacilty was the other. And essentially, this will feed into our own development plans, which we'll be finalising next, or which we'll be drafting next year even, and um, our county development plans. It'll be it'll affect the population growth in the town hopefully things like housing certainly and zoning etc and it'll also we certainly hope in fact or affect um investment and uh inward investment into the town um and just projects infrastructure etc when these things are being planned we hope that it gives mallow and just the general north cork area by extension uh, a greater profile and um will help with well, that's, things like that. That certainly will be welcomed. Uh, Councillor Gould Murphy, we leave it there. Thank you for that and thank you for joining us in thank studio. According to Independent Doll Deputy Tommy Bruin, the UK discussion on a post-Brexit animal welfare legislation highlighted Ireland's standing as the EU's puppy farm capital and its pet smuggling trade to Britain and further afield. How do we end the suffering for these animals caught up in puppy farming? Well, Dogs Trust have just launched a campaign to highlight the upsetting reality of puppies born into horrendous conditions and Kira Byrne of Dogs Trust joins me. Good morning to you Kira. Hi, good morning. Uh, How are you're, you? Well you're very welcome to the programme. Do we have any idea Kira, on the number of puppy farms that exist in Ireland? We don't unfortunately have have an exact number because it's really really hard to say um, how many there are um, across the country. I mean, we know that there are registered dog breeding establishments and we don't know how many of those, uh, you know, might be might have poor operating standards and how many and um, how many don't. Um, and also, there's the ones that aren't registered as well. And um, people, you know, just having accidental litters and it could be, you know, irresponsible breeding that's happening there as well. So it's not just the, the large scale puppy farms that we want to highlight the dangers behind. Um, it's the small breeders as well sometimes that aren't doing things um, the way they should and, and therefore leading to cruelty and neglect of, of, of dogs in their care. And on the more, the larger scale ones, there's obviously a lot of money to be made out of uh, breeding these little puppies. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming lack of enforcement and not enough inspections is the problem. Well, that's what we're calling for, exactly. It's the lack of resources that um, are, that are um, provided to the local authorities that seems to be a problem. And we, we've, we've have been long time calling for there to be more resources um, given to afforded to the local authorities so that they're able to carry out the appropriate appropriate inspections um, and follow up inspections as well um, to ensure that um, if there are any improvements to be made and they're issued with an improvement notice that this is followed up and and that this is enacted into legislation Um, and that's one of the things we're calling for in fact um, is for um, Minister uh, Sean Canney um, to uh, to, uh, to tighten the uh, Dog Breeding Establishment Act and uh, and hopefully as a part of that 
that will be looked at. And I'm, I'm assuming because it's probably an illegal trade, we, we would have no idea on the number of puppies that are exported to Britain and further afield every year because it's, it's kind of a hidden trade, is it? It is. Like, it, it's hard to say the exact numbers. I mean, we do know there's thousands and thousands. Just anecdotally, um, we can see the fallout of puppies that are bred on, you know, on large-scale puppy farms and we, we see them coming in to us you know, after the fact, um, we we often hear as well of puppies um, being stopped at port and that kind of thing. So we know anecdotally that there are quite there there are you know a huge amount, and um, but it's hard to get exact numbers because, as I said, they're not registered and um, dog breeders a lot of them. So you know, and they're they're doing this under under the radar. So it's really hard and um, it's really hard to, to to get exact numbers on that kind of. And when they are st- stopped at a port, and you know, they'll be uh, they'll be on the news. We'll see these adorable little puppies and you know a lot of the times we will hear yeah. that it was yourselves at Dogs Trust that the puppies were, were, were taken to talk to me about that what kind of a condition do they arrive in are they all very nervous yeah that's the thing I mean when people think of a puppy farmer think of them um, you know a bad breeding establishment they they often think of the physical aspects of the dog um, which, which are often horrendous conditions that they arrive in when they're you know, they're badly matted and they have eye infections and ear infections and they, there's, there's a whole host of, of, of you know, uh, medical issues that they present themselves with. But people um, often don't, don't realise or they don't um, know about the psychological uh, effects that the dogs have when they come to us as well, which is incredibly sad and incredibly upsetting. Um, we had one dog in particular who came to us recently, Aggie, and she's actually the face of our campaign um, that we've launched today. Um, and Aggie is a, a typical a, a example of a very nervous and frightened dog who would have been kept in, in confinement for a long time in a dark, cramped, um, we, we, we can assume cramped, um, created environment. And what she did was she she would spin constantly um, as a coping mechanism, oh. um, and she would pick up something in her mouth. So when we found her, she had a bowl in her mouth, and she was spinning um, frantically in circles um, because that's the only way she knew how to cope with life. Um, and she, we, when we took her back, I mean, it was a long road to Aggie's recovery, and um, you know, and all, like despite all of that that she went through. All she wanted was human. She craved human company. She craved human affection. She's the most beautiful, gorgeous dog, um, and and sadly, she has she has quite bad psychological um, issues and behavioural issues as a result of, of being bred on, uh, you know, in, a, in very poor conditions. And that's the, that's the big problem. Uh, Kira, that they'll carry those little puppies will carry a lot of them will carry those psychological problems with them for the rest of their absolutely. lives absolutely and it can be it's passed on from the mother ha- absolutely heartbreaking yeah and even if it's a young puppy you know and people go out and they you know get a young puppy and they think you know oh, it's only young you know those first three months of a puppy's life are the most crucial stage of their behavioural development and often what we see is that puppies that don't I mean, the mums can can pass behavioural um, and, you know, stress on to um, small puppies and they learn everything from their mums in those first few weeks. So, you know, it's really, really the most crucial time and that's where we see the behavioural issues of puppies when they grow into adults and they, they continue on for their entire life, some of them, 
um, and they have these behavioural issues and sadly people can't can't cope with them sometimes and, and that's when they end up coming back through our doors. So, you know, it is a, it's a very vicious circle as well. So, uh, so the, the, the advice always, I mean, you know, we would always be encouraging people if you want, if you want a dog, uh, adopt one from a charity. But if you want, if you must go down the route of buying uh, a puppy, you need to check out the breeder and that means going to visit where the puppy has been born and raised for it, it does it's, yeah it's imperative like we would really the steps we, we of course we do recommend adopting um, over buying a dog but if you if you are going down that road what we say is do your research we cannot emphasise that enough do your research find out more about the breeder get a vet recommendation you know ask friends and family if they have any recommendation like you know of a breeder that they know that they've gone to um, go to the house see the the, the, the mum and the pups interacting with each other, that's really important because sometimes they can use mums that aren't their real mums and they just kind of have a stand-in mum um, and, but the mum won't really be paying any attention to the, to the pups. So make sure that they're interacting um, that you can see their litter making, you can see the environment that they were they were born and raised. And if they don't, or if they make excuses, which often um, the breeders can, then be very very cautious and please walk away. Your gut will tell you. Walk away if you have any kind of feeling that it might be um, an irresponsible breeder, and do walk away because you're only fueling the trade if you take that puppy. And it's hard to resist when you see a cute little puppy, um, you know, looking at you, and you think you're saving it, and you know. But there are so many more where that puppy has come from. And I think of the mum as well. The mum will still be there breeding litter after litter after litter and in, in horrendous conditions. So please don't fuel the trade and, and walk away if you have any kind of suspicion that it might be a puppy farm. And of course, the advice every year as well, Kira, is puppies are not for Christmas. And it's probably the worst time in the world to introduce a puppy into a household because of the busyness around Christmas. It is. And that's why we launched this campaign at Christmas every year um, to highlight that a dog is for life, not just for Christmas. It's a phrase that was coined by Dogs Trust um, nearly 40 years ago <laughs> now. And um, it sadly is still as relevant today as it was back then. Um, Christmas is in a notoriously busy time. Um, it's like, you know, it's a, a time that there's going to be people coming in and out of your house that wouldn't usually be there. There's going to be Christmas decorations everywhere. It's going to be kids running around, you know, it's all the things we love about Christmas, but unfortunately it's a really, really stressful time for a dog that's new to a family and that isn't familiar with the people coming and going. Um, So we really would advise you to hold off and wait until the new year if you're considering getting a dog. Okay, and your campaign this year is how is that doggy in the window? That's it. Yeah, we want want people to ask the question, how is that doggy in the window? Um, Obviously the old 50s nursery rhyme was how much is that doggy but I think we've moved past that now we really want to put the focus on looking behind the shop front windows and um, there are many shop front windows that um, breeders are using nowadays it's not the traditional pet shop as we're, we all know of um, it's, um, it's your online selling websites the internet social media and there's so many more shop fronts that breeders can use nowadays so we want people to look behind that shop front um, and ask a really, really vital question. How is that doggy in the window? Yeah, I had a friend of mine who uh, got, bought a puppy a number of years ago and, you know, was going to see the breeder and then at the last minute gets the phone call from the breeder saying, oh, I live out in the wilds. You'll never find the house. I'll meet you at the trying to be it'll be convenient to you I'll meet you at the local supermarket instead and it was an area that my friend didn't know and of course it's only afterwards I got this little cocker spaniel that had a whole host of 
solve problems. And he then realised too late he'd just bought from a puppy farm. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the problem that that happens, and um, we. This is another thing that we would say as well is when the if the breeder does make a, an excuse to meet you somewhere that is in the premises, please like take that as a warning sign. It's a, it's a big red flag, and um, a lot of breeders will either say, you know, oh, you know, it's really convenient. We'll we'll deliver the puppy straight to your house, to your front door, and they'll send it down, you know, on a train, or and um, they'll ask you to meet in a neutral location, and they'll say, you know, that it's um, if, you know, to make life easier for you, but in fact, it's to hide. Oh, it could potentially be to hide yeah. um, an underlying um, issue there with the establishment that it was born at. So okay, and a, lot, and a lot of our listeners saying, "Well done to Dogs Trust. Uh, you do amazing work." And people can check out the great work of Dogs Trust, dogstrust.ie, and the campaign uh, for Christmas is uh, "Doggy in the Window." Kira, uh, continue good luck with the great work of Dogs Trust, and thanks for joining us on the program today. Thank you so much. Good bye, morning to you. Bye bye, bye bye. That is Kira Byrne from Dogs Trust. Please be very, very careful if you are going down that route of buying a puppy. Don't buy before Christmas, though. But if you are going to buy. Uh, just make sure that you're not buying from uh, a puppy farm. I mean, I think it's just uh, it, it's a sh- it's shameful to think that we are known as the EU puppy farm uh, capital and there seems to be pockets of North Cork in particular. I don't know why it seems to be North Cork. There seems to be an amount of puppy farms in that area. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 We're going to stay on animals in the next hour with an update on the raccoons in uh, Mid Cork and we'll also catch up with a lot of calls and comments that are coming in. That's all uh, after news at 11. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. A lot of people saying well done on our piece about puppy farming and we have to put an end to the cruelty that's involved in puppy farming. Uh, Mark says the West Cork Animal Welfare Group are doing absolutely fantastic work. Long, long may they continue. Margaret in uh, Donna Rail thinks um, is uh, it's critical of people who buy what she calls exclusive dog breeds. The things like the Labradoodle or the Cockapoos. Uh, basically they're in inbred like the Labradoodle is a cross between a Labrador and a Poodle a Cockapoo is a cross between a Poodle and a Cocker Spaniel isn't it um, you get a lot of these bred in puppy farms says Margaret in Donaware who reckons the way to end cruelty to animals is that or to, and to dogs is that every animal over the eight, age of 18 should be forced by law to own at least five dogs. They would solve the problem of the amount of dogs in rescue centres. I don't know I don't know where you're coming up with how you could force people to have five dogs each, Margaret, and would that not lead to horrendous cruelty if you're forcing people to take dogs who never wanted dogs or don't like dogs? And honestly, while there are a lot of dogs in rescue centres, there wouldn't be enough to give five dogs to every adult uh, in the country. 1850-333-103 and uh, a couple of other people saying adopt a dog. Uh, That's one way of closing down puppy farms if people stop buying these exclusive breeds and instead you actually adopt a rescued uh, animal. Okay, I'm going to go to the phone lines where Breetha uh, joins me in Mallow. Good morning to Breetha. Morning, Patricia. You were listening to our roundabout discussion that you discuss as the bane of your life. You are a Mallow native and you have to pass it quite a lot. Well, 
It is a vein of my, I'm not a Mallow native, but I'm a blowing. Okay. I'm a, I'm a townie now as far as I'm concerned. Okay. I'm here 40 years, so the roundabout, I think I pass it several times a day. I live nearby there. I think it's an absolute disgrace. I even said to my husband last week, I would just love to get out and pull every one of those things that are in the ground. Because <laughs> all they are is just burnt up. You couldn't even call them a flower or a shrub at this stage. They're like something you'd see in a bog. Yeah, they planted them in the summer uh, and then we had the dry spell and obviously there was a hose pipe ban uh, that the council had to enforce and uh, so they all died off and then the weeds now have, they're mixed with weeds as well. Yeah, but you couldn't, they died off, Trisha, they're burnt, they're, they're brown like, there isn't even a bit of greenery in them. Yeah, like. it's pretty bad at the moment, isn't it? It is really bad like. Gives a bad I, image to the town. I mean, you you know how busy that roundabout is. Yeah. What traffic goes through there every day? And anybody that passes through there, they must say, oh my God, look at the state of that place. It is really terrible. And I mean, they're saying it's the, the landscaper that's at fault, right? The contractor. The, the contractor, whatever yeah. they yeah. did there. They, that, they was a contractor there a number of weeks ago. Just no more than four or five weeks ago, I'd say. And it's still no different. You know, it really is terrible. Somebody needs to get their thumb out now and get something done about it. And the actual la- the actual red lettering of Mallow, I, 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 have you grown accustomed to that? No, I haven't. Yeah. Somebody somebody has come along now and they on the M of Mallow, yeah. they have put Mallow in white writing. There are white letters down on the M now. Graffiti? No, 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 it's not graffiti. Oh, no. They're, they're just white lettering with Mala on it. Okay, I haven't, I hadn't seen that. Okay, yeah. but anyway, so so if we could get the contractor back in and a nice layout of planting, because we were told when the criticism came in at the start, people, we were told to to say, you know, give it a chance, let the flowers grow. And it'll be beautiful. And I, I some way in my head had sort of this, this idea of a, like a wild flower garden and all these gorgeous flowers growing up over all the letterings. And I was thinking in my mind, that would look quite nice. But that never materialised. It didn't. But even the flowers had come on. But they were like weeds, Patricia. <laughs> they were like weeds. You couldn't... <laughs> You relate them to flowers, I'm sorry. Okay. I think they were absolutely terrible. Okay. And those rectangular um, shapes that are thrown on the ground. Yeah. I think they're absolutely ferocious altogether. So back to okay. the back to the drawing board, Breda, is what you're back saying. Back to the drawing board. They should never have taken the horses down. <laughs> and I don't know about this EU regulation. It's yeah. something to do with a view around the roundabout. Yeah, the height. If you go out to the other one, you can't see across the other roundabout, the Dairy Gold roundabout. Yeah, but it was because if the 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 fall, what happened was when they removed the horses, if they've left them there, it would have been fine. But it was the fact that they had to remove them to do the work on the roundabout. It was then deemed a new roundabout layout, and they couldn't put it back. That's what happened. And they didn't do a very good job on the layout of the roundabout either, <laughs> because they somebody going to get killed down there. Believe me. 
All right, well, that's a much more serious topic. Okay, breathe, yeah. but back okay. to the drawing board Thank anyway, for landscape. And thanks, Anne. Have a nice day. Uh, Mary in North Cork thinks the horses should be put back. There's no point even getting into that discussion. It's a disgrace. And she also has raised another issue. Mary said she was driving down the main street in Mallow at uh, 12 o'clock or midnight on Sunday night, and she met a car driving up. Main Street. Now, for people who don't know Mallow, Mallow's a one-way street. So she had a car driving against her. He obviously wasn't from the area, didn't know where he was going. He had come from the spa area. The lights went green and he drove up the main street. And Mary pointed out, do you realise there were actually no signs down at the lower end of town to say that it's a one-way system and that you can't drive up the main street? Mary in North Cork says that's something that needs to be sorted out. She said the gentleman in question was very lucky. It was quiet as it was midnight. If there had been a car coming down O'Brien Street, he could have been blown away and we would be having a very different uh, discussion this morning. Thank you for that. On Morris McCabe, still getting calls in about that. Finbar in Kinsale. Um, and a number of other people, John Paul says, raised, have raised this issue, feels that Martin Callanan should be stripped of his pension and all of his benefits. We certainly, as a country, should not be paying his legal fees against Morris McCabe. Uh, this should be stopped. Well, you know, I'm going to keep a close eye on this story because Drew Harris, I mentioned a piece yesterday, that Drew Harris is going to look into the fact that Martin Callanan is going to have all of his legal fees and the state solicitors and barristers will represent him in court. In court, He's actually going to look into it because he said when the decision was taken, he wasn't commissioner at the time. The acting commissioner was in place. So it is something, as I say, that Drew Harris is going to look at. So let's see if Drew Harris is going to lay down a marker for what kind of a guard the commissioner he's going to be going forward. Michael says what has been done to the ex-commissioner and the others that messed up with Morris McCabe, they should all be jailed. That's according to uh, Michael. Okay, some of you guys, as I say, part two of the Morris McCabe whistleblower is on tonight and by all accounts, what what we see tonight is even going to be worse than what they showed last night and that's going to, that's quite hard to believe because so many people were shocked by what came out last night hard to believe that it could get worse tonight now just on a couple of other issues coming into us Mary Mallow has been on to us to say she's having problems with her heating system in Mallow she can't reset the system and her stove door will not close she has been attempting to contact Annabella the council officer Annabella in Mallow to have something done about it and nothing's been done. She's now finding in her situation that she has no heating. We're into the middle of November. We're lucky we're in a relatively mild, having a mild November, Mary, but that can't go on. Anyway, we're in contact with Cork County Council for Mary and see if we can find out what's going on for Mary and get that situation sorted out. Carmel in Middleton. Thank you, Carmel, for this. Carmel wants to draw attention for people who have free travel and who have what she describes as the old plastic pass, the old style free travel uh, card. She wants to let people know that they are obsolete from December. Now, I don't know if it's the beginning of December, because if it is, that's in a couple of weeks time. Or if it's the end of December, you've got six weeks if it's the end of December. She was speaking to a bus driver yesterday because obviously Carmel uses has still has one of the old style free travel passes. 
because the bus driver drew her attention to it. Now, there were no signs up telling people, but she, and the, but the driver says they've been told they're not to accept them from December. The uh, Instead, you must have the uh, public services card, because on your the new public services card, which has a photograph of you, on the front of it, if you're entitled to free travel, it's marked FT. And if you're entitled to free travel with a companion, I think the code is FT and plus sign in a C something like that and there's a different symbol for somebody who's got free travel and their spouse is entitled to it as well. Anyway, Carmel reckons that a lot of people are not aware of this and she is fearful that some people will go to get on the bus or get on the train with what they think is their free travel pass, a legitimate free travel pass and there will be an legitimate free travel pass except the bus drivers and I'm assuming it'll be the same for the train drivers will not be allowed to accept it. Now we will we'll t- we'll look into it. I imagine it's the P- Department of Social Protection we're going to have to get, to get on to. I know they are working through issuing everyone with public services cards but I know everybody doesn't have a public services card. I'm sure John Paul doesn't have a public services card. He hasn't been called for one. Um, I know my husband hasn't been called for one. The last time we did a trawl around the building, most people didn't have a public services card. I How I managed to get mine was kind of, well, I wouldn't say, wouldn't say it was by default, but I was in, in the position that Marsha, my daughter, she was called to get her public services card an appointment was made because you've got to go in in person because they take your picture they take your details and so I took her along and when I was there a very nice gentleman said because there was nobody waiting the next appointment hadn't arrived said Did you, have you got ID with you because you need to bring ID with you and I happened to have I think my driver's licence was in my bag you needed photographic ID and he said sure while you're sitting there I'll do yours as well and that's how I got mine uh, failing that I probably would still be waiting so there are I don't know let's we'll, we'll, we'll do a bit of research into this to try to find out I don't know yet how because the whole everyone in the population is eventually going to get a public services card I don't know where they're at with the percentages of people who have public services card. So that's why I'm taking it back to hear Carmel say that the bus driver told her that the old form of travel pass would no longer be accepted from December. I would have thought that they could only bring that in when the whole country has a public services card. I don't see how you can take free travel away from someone just because they haven't been called for their public services card. Now, maybe they're going to do it and and therefore they're going to force people's hands. You're going to have to go and make an appointment to go and get your own public services card because you can do that. I don't know how you go about it, but I know you can actually go get a public services card because you're going to need to get one if you're applying for, is it a driving licence for the first time wasn't there talks of you having to have your public services card was there talks about bringing it in for your passport as well anyway listen I'm glad Carmen's drawn her attention to it I'll need to do a bit of research on it and I'll get back to you on that but just to draw people's attention to that be careful if you have a free travel pass just in case it's the old style one if you have the new public services card with free travel on it then you're okay you've absolutely nothing to worry about but if you have the old style one you could be in a bit of bother as and from December as I say I don't know if it's the beginning the middle or the end of December uh, we're going to have to look into it 1850 lines are open just a quick look at some of your uh, texts uh, Hi Patricia now that you are discussing the roundabout in Mallow what the hell has happened to the court the Cork coat of arms in Cork City 
big red square emblems on the Carrickrahan Road and outside Cork City Hall. Now, I'm unaware of what you're talking about. I asked John Paul and he reckons it's the new We Love Cork logo, which isn't square. It's a kind of a round C in in red. Is that what you're talking about? I don't think that's to replace the coat of arms. I mean, the, coat, the Cork City coat of arms will always be there. So I don't quite know what you're talking about here. Um, anyway, with these big red emblems that uh, this texter is talking about uh, out on the Carrigrahan Road and outside Cork City Hall. He says, geez, you could be in Russia. Uh, another reason to stay out of the city. Whoa, city businesses won't like to hear you say that, that's for sure. And I know there's a big push. You came up with there at the Cork City Council meeting last night. There's a big push to get people into the city and there's all talks of great incentives like free parking and to get people back into the city, particularly in the run-up and lead-up to, lead into Christmas. 1850 C103 Jobs. With Jobs Expo Cork, coming to Parky Cueve on November 17th. Your bright new career begins here. Register at jobsexpo.ie Delhi assistance required for Fully, Fuller's Centre that's in uh, Union Hall while a person is wanted part-time. It's to help at a horse stables on the Cork Road outside of Mallow. Hartspar and Clonakilty they're looking for full and part-time staff to work in the Subway Apache and Bakery departments and a customer service rep is wanted in the Black Pool Retail Park. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Now, last Friday, we had calls in from people in the McCroom area who were worried about sightings of a raccoon and wondering, as a wild animal, were raccoons dangerous? John Dolan has been writing in the Evening Echo, Echo about raccoons on the loose in Cork. And uh, John joins me. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and you're, you're welcome to the programme. When did you first become aware of sightings of raccoons? Well, I guess the first sighting we know of was in May in Calm, which is just near to Carrigadoghi there on, on this side of the river, uh, on, the, on the west of the river. Um, now, I was hearing anecdotally a few people that said they saw one and sure it was one, um, but it was only, um, I guess it's the last couple of weeks when the, the sightings have just gone haywire, which leads me to believe that there's more than one out there, at least, I would say. Um, and perhaps that they're, they're becoming a bit more daring because it's not so much food for them at night because they're not certain animals, you know. Um, but yeah, there's been rumblings for a while and it's one of those things that someone says, I thought of raccoon and you say, yeah, right, you did. <laughs> um, yeah, because you know. I know when we started talking about it last Friday, people were saying from outside the Midcork area now, I have to say, uh, were straight away saying, oh, for God's sake, that's a badger they're seeing. That's not a raccoon. No, no, but no. but I mean, I've <laughs> seen from some of the photographs you've published, mm-hmm. I mean, that they are... It, these animals are definitely raccoons. Oh, they've been very fine. I mean, the, the picture that we showed was taken with Amory Lyons of Cannabis. She just lives up on the hill near Cannabis School, uh, if, if anyone knows the area. And, uh, yeah, the, the, she took this picture of a raccoon that got into a garage through a cat flap. And uh, before it managed to get out again, she managed to take this absolutely crystal clear picture of a raccoon and it's nothing else and it's been verified as such so uh, yeah I mean it's it, it, we just definite isn't it and I'm just hearing reports that one has actually been captured out in in the McCroom way uh, just, just last night I think uh, one is in a cage now so 
um, that's good news, I guess. Because, you and know, you believe, and it, like people can't sigh, uh, uh, sigh a relief saying, oh, that's it, it's cost. You believe there's more than one? Uh, I, I believe so. Um, I mean, we were getting reports of, of raccoons on, on each side of the river from, you know, from as far away as Farron down to Canopy and then across the river in Carrigadroid and in Cowl. Now, uh, not, uh, raccoons can swim. Um, but I just think it's unlikely that they would cross a, a wide stretch of the lee uh, on a nightly basis. It just doesn't, it doesn't make, that make sense to me. And, and if it's sighted in McCroom as well, which is another five miles away, mm. I, you know, I, I believe that extremely mo- this is one extremely mobile animal. Um, and they and are, ex- you've done a bit of research on these, yeah. on John. They're well, extremely intelligent creatures. They are. They really are. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection. Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Because uh, we actually had um, we, we had six uh, chickens out in a, in a coop, and they were all slaughtered. Uh, this is about a month ago now. Then I live in Carrigadrive myself. Um, now we didn't know how the animals got in. We just assumed it was a fox because it killed all the animals and it ate just the next of them. It didn't take any away which a fox would. Um, it didn't strike us that it was a mink or a rat, and we just didn't know how it got in. Now, now we believe that it somehow it opened the door because they're extremely clever. They can unlock locks. You know, they can. Um, they can remember things for long times. Their intelligence has been compared to apes, I guess. It's, it's, you know, it's not a cat as such. It's like a, it has that kind of ingenuity and dexterity to it. So, yeah, they, they seem to be very clever animals. But even the fact that it came when you were talking about the other lady, it came in through the cat flap and then obviously when she spooked it, it knew it had the sense to run back out through the cat flap the same way it came in. Yes, it did. And, and then we, we also showed footage, video footage, which we put up on the Echo website there, um, and that was taken um, by somebody out in Calm as well. Um, that was Teresa Hartnett uh, she, on her phone. She took pictures of it. And one got stuck in a recycling bin and managed to get out. And another one was eating fig rolls one by one that had been discarded <laughs> in the bin. <laughs> which, is, which is just amazing, really. And you see it, and, and it's just picking it up with its paws and, and just nibbling away at uh, this little feast. You can't, you, you can't beat an old fig roll. Uh, <laughs> Vincent Cashman is on the other line. And Vincent mm. is with the Cork Society of the Prevention of Cruelty to uh, Animals. Uh, good morning to you, Vincent. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, 
I'm assuming at the CSPCA, are you, uh, have you received calls about sightings of these raccoons? Yes, I suppose over the last four or five years, the calls, we will be dealing with maybe two or three calls a year. Um, but it's definitely getting a little bit more prevalent where we might be dealing with one a month, one every six weeks. How do you believe they've ended up in the wilds of West uh, Mid-Cork? Okay, there's quite a few people keep them. Um, they're more than likely escapees rather than deliberate releases. And you have animals, like, you know, they've been kept on open farms and um, people. some people keep them as pets. As a pet? As a pet, yes, yeah. A, a raccoon, a hand-red raccoon is a very affectionate animal. Oh. And with with the need for people, uh, people want something a little bit different, a little bit more exotic and um, something different to look at. They'll go for the likes of a raccoon then rather than, we'll say, a dog, cat, something like that. I've more use with that. And c- can you take it out for a walk on a lead? No, you can't take it out for a walk on a lead, but um, people would keep them inside in their homes as well, where it, it's, they're, as I said, they're very affectionate. You know, you can hand feed them and um, they're a pet, like for all the world, like a cat inside in your home. And wh- where would one go if one wants to buy a raccoon? Um, there are some breeders that breed them. Um, now, some of the breeders are responsible in the fact that if they're if they're providing um, a raccoon to Patricia, for argument's sake, yeah, they would make sure the animal is microchipped and neutered before you receive it. So even if it does get out, it's not going to cause yeah, a problem. Uh, yeah. And that is the biggest fear. Um, they would adapt to the wild in Ireland um, and have been adapting to the wild pretty quickly. Um, they will survive our winters, even though they are damp, damp and they'd like, but they they will survive. Um, and they're one of the European 37 invasive species, so um, are highly invasive. So that's why there is a lot more interest in the likes of raccoons and stuff like that. But you don't want them interfering with your 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 natural um, flora and fauna, if you know what I mean. I don't. I. I'm assuming when you were on hold, you would have heard uh, John is on the other line um, speaking to us. Uh, John believes his hens in the, his chicken coop were killed by the raccoons. Would is that something a raccoon would do? Um, possibly, yes. You'd have to have a look at the at the carcasses just to see. Um, and killing them all, um, yes, it would be their behaviour, but it would also be the behaviour of a fox or a mink as well. If a mink got in there. Um, they would just get into a frenzy and they would kill everything that's inside there, you know. But, um, I, but well, actually, John is on the uh, is is still on the line. John, you you thought it was unusual in the way your hens were killed. Yeah, I think it was my wife who, who saw it and she said that their necks had been eaten away. Um, but it just seemed it just didn't seem to be likely to be, you know, a fox or a mink to, to do that. You know, normally a fox would kill them. I know, but, but would, would take one away with it. Um, and in this instance, they were just fed around around the coop or just outside. You know, they were just inside the coop. They all died very quickly. And just the next were eaten away, which just struck us as, as maybe not the behaviour of, of the usual predators that we'd get for chickens. Mm, and, and you're in the area where the raccoons uh, were, were sighted. Vincent, what do raccoons live on? They're omnivores. So they'll, they'll eat meat. Um, they have the very affectionate title of trash pandas. Um, so they will live in rubbish bags, bins, people's scraps. Um, but they will also take, you know, if you're feeding your dog outside, they'll take dog food, cat food, chicken food. Um, so they're, they're basically, they're, they're quite a resilient creature, you know. OK. Um, and what do you suggest people do if they spot 
uh, a raccoon? If they spot one, I suppose their first protocol is to contact National Parks and Wildlife Service. Um, then you have the the Biodiversity Centre as well. They keep track of of the of any sightings of um, invasives or unusual animals. So they can build a, basically build up a database of where these animals are occurring, areas where they frequent, so that they can actually be caught um, and 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 removed from um, that area. So National Parks and Wildlife Service, if if we get a call about one. We would be passing it on to National Parks and Wildlife Service as well. Mm. So it's just important that to keep keep track of it because, as I said, it it is classed as an invasive species. Um, they will survive in the wild. Um, they will breed in the wild, and we'll say our, our our wildlife is under enough pressure as it is. Yeah, that's the real danger. Uh, yeah. That's the real danger yeah. of of them breeding. They're native to North America, isn't it? isn't that yeah. right, Vincent? Yeah, yeah. 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 But they've been bred. There was calls now this morning as well of maybe returning it to its natural habitat. Yeah, as I said, its natural habitat is probably a pain above in Sligo. So, <laughs> these animals have been bred for many, many years in captivity. So, even even people you now saying that the animals should be sent back to North America, North America has enough raccoons, and this animal, it's it's generations ago that maybe it's relative. And it'd be very unfair to return to, to unfair, yeah, because it would know. But the, but the big it. question that everybody is asking, uh, John, um, are they dangerous to humans? Would they attack? Well, I mean, I, I, perhaps um, perhaps the, the CPSC would, would be better advised. But I do, I do know that they can carry rabies, but I, I wouldn't want to scare people because um, I don't, you know, what, what's the chance of them contracting rabies themselves um, while in the cog? So, you know, and I think they're more of a danger, certainly, to the biodiversity, to other animals. In, yeah. terms, of, in terms of, I think, roundworm is one of the, of the diseases that they can pass that on. they carry. OK, yeah. Vincent, are they a danger to humans? Not particularly, no. no. I mean, if they, if, they, if they are trapped in an area, if, or if you do kind of corner one, it would be anim, any animal's self-defence mechanism to attack. Mm. Or not even to attack, basically to stand its ground and try and scare you away. So, I mean, you have a, you have a better chance of that happening if the animal is cornered. Generally yeah. speaking, they want to be left alone. And it's the same with any animal. I mean, I think a bit as John described when, when the lady went and, and saw it and he'd got into the, she'd got into the garage, the raccoon got into the garage through the cat flap. As soon as the raccoon saw a human being, it was straight out the cat flap and gone. That's what yeah. it's more, more likely to do. All yeah. right, all right. Listen, uh, Vincent Cashman of the CSPCA, thank you for that. And John Dolan of the Even- Evening Echo, pleasure as always to talk to you. Thank you for that, John. Thanks. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. Raccoons on the loose in Midcork. As I say, one, we do know of one. We don't know the numbers. That's the big problem. We don't know the extent of how many of these raccoons are running around the Mid-Cork area. But as I say, we know one has been has been trapped today. And as what's to happen to that one, I don't know. We'll keep a close eye on the story. 1850-333-103. The roundabout in Mallow. Pat says, hi Patricia. If the roundabout was planted with those beautiful grasses that divide the approach roads from the Limerick side of the roundabout, evergreen grasses would enhance the red signage. Uh, keep it simple. And you'd have all year round interest. That's from Pat. Now, many parents worry about their children's addiction to technology with a recent report showing rising exposure to gaming consoles in children leads to long term weight gain and some serious health implications. Neva Hearn grew up in Clonakilty. She now lives in Kenmare and she's just published a delightful book dealing with the issue called Timmy's Technology Trouble. And Neve uh, joins me on the programme. Good morning to you, Neve. 
Good morning, Patricia. Now, firstly, congratulations on the book. It really is uh, lovely. You're a stay-at-home mum with two children of your own. Was it you? Was it concerns about your own children that inspired the book? Um, I think, to be honest with you, Patricia, um, number one, I've always had a burning desire to write a, a children's book. So um, that's in, in parallel with the book here. Um, I I think I've had a concern, not obviously with my own children. I look at them and I'm at times, like all parents, we worry about the consumption of technology. And I've seen them here. I've just spoken to friends of mine in Khmer who would who would have equal concerns. Um, but my my biggest issue really is I think that technology has moved so quickly in the last number of years, that both for adults and children, we've had a lot of difficulty trying to keep up with it. With it, And I think it's blindsided us to a huge degree. And I do worry hugely about the impact um, overconsumption and overexposure also is having on our children. So uh, an idea came to me about a year ago um, on this book, and I thought, you know, this, this might actually work, and it um, might get a positive message out there as well, just for us all, all to think and look at how, how our kids are on, 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 on technology. And also we really need to start balancing it with all the other fun things they can do. Yeah. So that's, that's yeah, really and, and, and that's what it does. The book tells the story of Timmy and Timmy loses his friends for a time because all he wants to do is play with his games console and there isn't a parent listening that won't identify with the child who just wants to sit all day Saturday on his Xbox or whatever it is and play uh, whatever game he's into or she's into at, at the moment. Um, so that's the theme of the book and the theme is like how technology can change change a child's personality almost. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think we'd all be, I'd be lying if I said, now, I I really try here and my husband, we try to manage our our children. I have an 11-year-old boy and I have a 10-year-old girl and she has no major interest at the moment but he obviously, if we allowed him on his Xbox morning and night, Mm. he's not going to object, to be honest with you. But, I mean, you do see, I mean, I've seen lots of children, to be honest with you. Um, They're personalities do change if they're on too much and um, no more than ourselves if we're doing um, spending too much time on emails or on Facebook whatever we get irritable you know so you you can see what happens so really what we're trying to we're trying to get the message out that technology is really good we can learn a lot from it but we have to be very careful and we have to make sure that we balance it uh, it's not going to go away so we're definitely not talking about an all, all out ban or anything like that we're talking about management of it and how best to do that just not to forget the fun stuff I mean we grew up in an era where we played board games, we climbed trees, we, you know, we had great fun outdoors. So to maybe get back to a little bit of that, you know. How did your own children react to the book? Well, um, to be totally honest, you know, very positively, they were they were very involved in the actual, great. I suppose, construction of Timmy and that. And, and they understand, I mean, we would discuss with them, you know, the impact it can have. And certain games have more of a negative impact than other games as well. So we would discuss that also with them. But they were, to be fair to them now, at the moment, I'd say they're tired of it, but they are, they, they loved it. And they, they were very involved in helping me think of illustrations and maybe even in wording at times our wording as adults may be slightly different to their wording so even in how certain aspects of the book should be worded so they were they were very involved and they had a very big input in it and overall a very positive response from you, them you, honest, had you had know. your own focus group living in the house with you I mean that's absolutely, I that's absolutely I, perfect you mentioned illustrations and it is beautifully illustrated talk to me about how you teamed up with the illustrator uh, Valentina, the illustrator, who, as you can see from the illustrations, is quite an amazing artist, to be honest with you. Valentina is an Italian lady, and she's lived in Khmer for the last six years. And her daughter is in the same class as my son. 
So I happened to meet them one day after our children go to a theatre group and uh, met Valentina and said, look, I'm, I've am i written this book. Would you be interested in um, doing the illustration? So she said yes. And uh, obviously it's quite an achievement to get something from somebody's head, uh, what, what I had conceived in my head, to what she has put on paper. So she literally got what I wanted because I was quite specific about for children's books, obviously, you need illustrations to be really strong. I think you need them to be quirky. You need a child to look at a page and then come back to that page again and see something different. And Valentina got it, and I must say I'm delighted with it. really, really love the illustrations, and I love how she's de- depicted Timmy and how she constructed Timmy, to be honest with you. Mm. So and, and the nice. colours. The colours the are, are beautiful, yeah. yeah. And Very even Timmy's, and Timmy, what I loved was Timmy's facial reactions. Yes. How they've, that, how they've, and you could almost get into this little cartoon character, you can get into his head just looking at his face. Yes, and that's what we wanted. Yeah. What we really wanted to show, Patricia, was um, the complete, the, you know, the euphoria at the beginning of the book. And you can see actually, because um, our, our design company as well, our publishers, Denison Design, did a beautiful job on this. You could see at the beginning of the book, even on the font, is orange when Timmy's happy. And then as you go through the book and you see the deterioration in his mood, his facial expressions change, the font actually changes. You may have noticed a kind clever. of a black font. So it's very clever. Mm. And then it goes back, when it goes full circle, then my mom and dad realise, oh, we really need to manage Timmy's consumption and this is what has happened to Timmy. And you can see the, the nice transition back to the old Timmy again and the orange font again there. So um, it, 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 it's worked very well and I must say I'm very, very happy with it. What age group are you pitching the book at? Um, initially when we started we were thinking kind of three to four year olds up to about nine or ten but being totally honest with you we're getting a huge response from um, a neighbour of mine here who's 17 read the book and uh, <laughs> she said to me if there's a message in this for us you know so yeah. it's it's kind of spanning a lot of generations at the moment and even I think it's a great one actually for even parents and grandparents just to subtly get the message across to the, to the children as well you know because you know yourself well, we go in with it and all about giving out or you know, saying, oh, we're going banning this game or that ba- that game. It's just going to lead to a, revo- a revolt or whatever. But if we do it in this way, I think they'll see. And I actually had a nice bit of feedback from um, uh, a, a person recently who said that his young lad, who was kind of getting cranky on his Xbox, um, said, look, he said, listen, if you don't come off it now, he said, you're going to be go-, go like Timmy, like that, you know. And the young fellow's all right, I'll hop off it. So, and, you know, and, and this guy was like 11 or 12, you know. That's so. great. That's great. Yeah, so that, that that is great. And I mean, self publishing it's 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 not the easiest thing uh, no. to do. Uh, so congratulations to you on Thank that. You. Um, and you're selling it locally. We are. We're selling it. We're obviously selling it on our website, um, timmystales.com. Um, it's being rolled out to a number of bookshops. We've um, a very big event in Clonakilty now on Saturday in the Clonakilty Bookshop. Um, we're actually bringing Timmy to Clon. So there's a signing there at three o'clock with um, Geraldine Clonan in Clonakilty book, Bookshop on Saturday. But it's in all the bookshops. It's in a lot of bookshops in Kerry, in Cork. It's in some of the bookshops in Dublin. And we're trying to roll it out. Obviously, it, as you said, we self-published. It is a challenge trying to get um, a distributor on board is 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 a challenge when we're, I'm a first time author, um, so I have a small distributor helping me. But um, it is a challenge to get it out there nationally and internationally. But um, that's what we are going to do, and how we do it, we'll we'll manage to get there in some shape or form. But it's so far on the positive side, we've got a really really great response to it. That's and, terrific. That's terrific. Well, how much? You, how much are you selling it for? It's selling for nine ninety five. No, well done, well done. That's a reasonably priced as well. Have you had any luck getting it featured on the Late Late Toy Show? 
we're trying that at the moment. We're hoping it will be on that. Yeah, because they always do a big feature on books. It would be great to have it on that. No, we've we've sent it to them and we've... um, we're waiting to see if it'll be featured. We're hoping it will because it's. Um, I think it deserves it. To be honest with you, mm. you it's, know, it's and, brilliant. And it's, it, re- it really is. Is it, it really is good? Timmy'sTales.com. If you want to take a look on the on the website, uh, if not, Clonakilty uh, this Saturday. Band, brand, Bandon Books have it as well. Did I read some books? Ha- yes, Bandon yeah. Books have it. Clonakilty. They have it as well. You know, a lot of shops in Clonakilty. It's in lots of shops in Kimmer, Clarny, Listowel, Tralee. It's in O'Manis and Tralee. Um, so it's, in, it's also a manor of books in Malahide in Dublin. It's in Limerick um, and in a lot of the bookshops in West okay, Cork. You're, so you're, you're, you're getting get it out there. And, and you're coming it. home with it because as I mentioned at the outset, you are a native of, of Clonakilty. Yes. Is there a feeling that you're bringing it home on Saturday? There is. I'd say they're waiting for Timmy to arrive in Cork, <laughs> Jersey, to be honest with you, Patricia. Um, they think that since I've lived in Kerry for 15 years that I'm a, a, a supporter of the kingdom, even though I'm outnumbered here, but I'll, I'll keep my red and white You're uh, flying high, to be honest with you. You'll always so, be a Cork woman, Eve, that's oh, for will. sure. Good luck, good luck with it, and thank you so much for joining us and talking to us on the programme. And thank you, Patricia, really appreciate it. That's our pleasure. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Liam has sent in a WhatsApp asking me to extend congratulations to the Palace players in Formoy on winning two more festivals of the weekend. They won in Cork and Doonbeg and it's with the play Where Is This Malabar? Written by one of their own, uh, Liam Howard who uh, also, as far as I know, is directing uh, it. Anyway, they are going to stage the play again in the Village Arts Centre on this Thursday night. It's going to be a double bill with Take 5 Drama Group and it's starts at uh, 8pm and the Palace players doing extremely well on the fe- festival circuit. They had a win as well uh, earlier in the month in Scary's Festival in uh, County Dublin. So it looks like they've got a real winner uh, under their hat uh, this time for the festival uh, circuit. Where is this Malabar by their own uh, Liam Howard? It's on, as I say, Thursday night. If you haven't seen it in the Village Arts Centre in uh, Kilworth, good luck to all in Involved. Indeed, good luck to all of the amateur drama groups as uh, we're into festival season and they're trading around uh, the country. Best of luck to uh, everyone. OK, uh, WhatsApp in from Mary, says Patricia. Uh, I heard... Oh, Mary has two comments in. Firstly, one on the roundabout in Mallow. Mary says, with regard to the roundabout in Annabella, I am from outside Mallow and I think it's terrible. The town's name in Irish is Ella, which means swan. Why not put a smaller sculpture of a swan in the centre of the roundabout? Also, Mala, as in M-A-L-A, that name means a bag in Irish. I think it's terrible to lose the original name, says Mary. Mary, Some people refer to it as Mala, as in M-A-L-A, but others, I know, uh, Mary, I know particularly people native to uh, Ella will always, when they're referencing the Irish for Mallow will always say more uh, Ella. But a swan is what Mary is suggesting. Why not go for something like that uh, instead? And actually somebody else just on the subject of the roundabout, Brendan was on, said this is when we were discussing the fact that the horses and riders, the old sculpture that was there, cannot go back up because it's too high. And this is to do with new EU regulations about the size of sculptures and pieces of art that go up on roundabouts. Brendan said, I query a lot of these rules and regulations that are coming from uh, from the EU. A question. 
what these regulations are really all about. I travel a lot in the United Kingdom and around Ireland and, and something I've noticed is that there are lots of roundabouts like Mallow that have sculptures on it that are as big and bigger than the horses and riders. So I wonder, are we interpreting the EU rules and regulations or in our laws? Are we interpreting them in a wrong way? How come other countries can have it? Is this not something we need to look at? You see, the problem with the horses and riders there was new regulations that came in that governed art pieces and art installations on new roundabouts and they had to be less than 1.05 metres in in height. And the horses and riders that was on the old roundabout, the height is over 1.05 metres. And because work was done at the roundabout, that roundabout then was deemed a new roundabout and therefore came in under the new rules and regulations. That's why you'll drive lots of places around this country. You don't even have to go uh, to the United Kingdom. You'll drive and see lots of roundabouts around Ireland that have structures on it that are well over the 1.05 metres but they're okay. It's when they get removed and if the local council in that area want to replace it or they want to do work on the roundabout, then the roundabout gets deemed a new layout and then it gets once it's removed it can't be put, put back. If they had left it there day one and did no work on the roundabout then we wouldn't be having this discussion the horses and riders riders would be left in place I remember at the time when we looked into it back in 2016 it was something the the reason behind the EU's thinking it was something to do with when you drive to a roundabout you should be able to see over to the other side of the roundabout and obviously with a lot of the structures if they're too high and if they're over the 1.05 metres you can't see across the roundabouts and that was one of the arguments from a safety point of view why they brought in these new rules but that's what's governing the new rules with regard to that roundabout in at, at Annabella is now deemed to be a new roundabout even though the old structure was there for many many years and I also remember when I'm old enough to remember when that structure first went in well over 20 years ago now I would say I was doing this programme and the day it got unveiled the amount of people we had given out about the horses and riders and they thought they were monstrosities and they were ugly looking things and people didn't like the look of them at all and I remember saying Give them time. You'll grow to love them. And people did grow to love them to the point of when they got removed. People have been given out as to why they have been removed. So it's, it's I suppose, not so queer as folk. We, they, they can't please all of us all of the time. Mary's on about shopping in the city. Says Mary says, I heard recently where retailers in Cork City are finding things uh, quite difficult due to the traffic restrictions on Patrick Street. This is the... The, um, the Panaban, as some people affectionately call it. Well, Mary says, I think it could be more to do with the cost of parking. That could be the issue. I recently parked in Merchant's Key Shopping Centre, parked up at 11 o'clock in the morning and went about my business. I left the city about half four or five o'clock and my parking fee for the day was 16 euro. I thought that was very expensive for a day's shopping. Paul Street car park is less expensive, but I was shocked at what I had to pay on leaving the city. It'll be a while before or I'll go to the city again. Uh, kind regards, says Mary. They need to look at the cost of parking as a reason why some people are not going to the uh, city. It did come up at the council meeting in the city yesterday. I know there are a number of plans for free parking at various times uh, in the run-up to Christmas. They do that every year, but you need to check. Sometimes the it's the late night they'll give, you know, like evening time, they'll go for free parking. So you do need to check, as I know last year, people got caught out when they went to park thinking it was free parking in an area and it wasn't. And when they went, it was in some of the county towns, they thought there was free parking. And then when they went back, they had uh, tri- 
tickets on their cars and it became an expensive shopping day out. So be careful when new bylaws get introduced in the run up to Christmas about free parking, just to make sure that you are within the time that you thought you were for the free parking because I certainly don't want to be dealing with people in the run up to Christmas being very upset because they've suddenly discovered that they've got a parking uh, ticket. 1850 John says, Patricia, wouldn't it be a great idea if they could link up the East Cork Greenway with the West Cork Greenway, it would complement the Wild Atlantic Way. People could do one section or more. It could be a little bit like a Cork Camino. Doesn't that sound nice? A Cork Camino. And if we had a fraction of the success of the Camino Way, John, we would be doing very, very well. Still getting in calls and texts on Sergeant Morris McCabe and what came out from the programme last night. And people still very annoyed with the ex-commissioner Martin Callanan and his whole role in it. Mary says, Martin Callanan got a lump sum of 225 €225,000 and a pension for life of 85 k That is a disgrace. He gets that money for doing wrong. He should pay his own legal bill, says Mary, who is very, very annoyed that the state now going to pay his legal fees, but also very annoyed at the amount of money he got when he decided to retire by way of lump sum and his pension for life. And Mary, you're going to even get more annoyed because your figures are slightly wrong. He actually got a cash one-off gratuity of €255,000. It's actually more than what you thought, but you are right, his annual pension is €85,000. Nice, nice pension if you can get it. 1850 333 103. Lines open. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The Irish Blood Transfusion Service. They've got a blood donor clinic, West Cork Hotel in Skibbereen today. 3 to 5 this afternoon and 7 to 9 tonight. New donors uh, always welcome. Barry Row Ladies Club. They're holding a Christmas arrangement in Flower demonstration night with DJ Murphy in Court McSherry Community Centre tonight. No entry fee but donations will be accepted at the door for Edel House in Cork. Bantier Drama Group are presenting Life the gift that keeps on giving. It's at the Cork Arts Theatre tonight. That's at eight. A fundraising bingo will be held tonight in the Parkway Hotel in Dunmanway. Money's uh, raised uh, going to Aha Core CCE. Doors open at eight for half eight start. Cash prizes and a raffle and a great night assured. The monthly mass in honour of St. Pio takes place in the Church of the Resurrection in Mallow tonight at half seven. The celebrant will be the Reverend Father Colgan. All are welcome. Mallow GAA, their annual mass for deceased members. That'll be held in the sports complex in Carragoon at eight tonight. And Shambhalimore Community Bingo will be held in the community centre tonight, half past eight with a jackpot, €3,200 in 50 calls. All are welcome. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family. Family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. And just a couple of thoughts in on the roundabout. Uh, Tim is saying we should do away with roundabouts uh, because most people haven't got a clue what to do when they approach a roundabout driving on it. I don't know if that's a reason to do away with them, uh, Tim. Maybe those people need to brush up on the rules of the road. But Brendan has made an interesting suggestion. Says, has anybody considered lowering the base at the roundabout and putting back the horses? 
I don't I, I've never heard of that suggestion before Brendan but it's like one of those Einstein moments and you think hmm why didn't and make it under the 1.05 uh, metre good suggestion Brendan uh, 1850-333-103 now an issue we're going to be dealing with in more detail tomorrow but I don't want to ignore this text that came in from a listener who was reading an article that uh, we picked up as well from today's Irish Examiner by Laura Bradley and it is to do with Christmas cards that are on sale in the deals shop somebody's very disgusted with these Christmas cards and said I'll never shop there again after reading about it they've been described as a niche range of Christmas cards and they're basically a range of Christmas cards that insult people. Now, I can't even think of anyone that I dislike enough that I'd buy one of these Christmas cards and actually send it. Why would you send a Christmas card to somebody to insult them? I, I, I can't understand the logic behind it. There's things like um, the message inside some of the cards or on the card says, Santa thinks you're a loser. Who would you send that card to? There's another Merry Christmas you dip and then S-H-I-T, the full word is in it. Another one, nothing for you, B-I-T-C-H. Who would buy a card like that and send it to someone? But obviously the big fear about these cards going on sale and being available are that they'll get into the hands of people who are bullies, and that they'll be sent around. I mean, I know, for example, John Paul has put a call through to try to get somebody on from Parent Line because they're worried because young people shop in deals because it's a great shop for bargains and you'll see lots of young people in there and they do makeup and stuff. And, you know, young people don't have a lot of money and they need to, you know, spread their money around and get as much as they can out of their pocket money. So they'll go and they'll shop in shops like deals that, are, you know, it's a discount store that offered them bargains. So if they get exposed to these cards, they'll see them. And if they're bullying or there's somebody in the gang that they've fallen out with, somebody might think about picking up one of these cards and and sending it to it. And I could just imagine uh, how uncomfortable and how hurtful it would be for somebody to open up a Christmas card and to see something like that. Santa thinks you're a loser or, you know, nothing for you, B-I-T-C-H. Just... Anyway, we're sending... We're trying to get in contact with deals. I, I would be interested to know why they would stock a product like this. I, I really would. But also, in the meantime, we're hoping to speak with Parent Line. I suppose to make people aware that these cards are on sale. And if you've got young people in the house who, you know, keep an eye on maybe what's coming through the letterbox or what they're coming home with maybe in, the, in their school box. Because I just think it would be very, very upsetting to receive a card like this. And as I say, I don't think I dislike anyone enough to send a card to somebody saying Mary or Santi thinks you're a loser. I really don't. Uh, 1850-333-103. And Porrick was on to us earlier from Glamworth looking for advice on empty glass bottles and jars. They're cosmetic jars and containers. Um, wanting to know some of them you can't clean out because some of the bottles you can't get the lids off. Um, off and wondering what, what does he do uh, with them? Uh, yeah, it's. I always have a, di- a dilemma with the makeup bottles uh, and jars as well. I, I try and buy ones that I know I can get the lids off so that I can clean them out of the inside and then I can recycle them. Some of them then I'm completely caught with that I don't know what to do with them and they end up having to go into a landfill. 
I've done I've done a bit of research before because I'm always trying to be really really careful about recycling and and I try to buy products that I know can be recycled. The cosmetic one is a, is a bit of a, dil- a dilemma. So I'll give it out in case there's any really good environmentalist out there who knows more about this than the bit of research I've managed to do on it. If anybody knows cosmetic glass glass bottles and jars that many of us females will have in our makeup bag. Do you know which of them can be recycled and which can't? I know certainly the plastic lids, all of those you certainly can put into your, well, some of them, the majority of them you can put in. And if you look at the back, if you look at the details, there'll be symbols and signs telling you what can be recycled and what can't be. And obviously, uh, Padraig in Glamworth is trying to do his bit to be as good at recycling as possible. He also wants to know, do people still take labels off before putting glass into the recycling? I certainly don't. I did for years and years and years. And then I remember doing an interview with somebody who told us, no, once you rinse them out and clean them out and get them as clean as you can, you'd have to have them sterile clean, obviously, but as clean as possible. But I certainly don't go with jam jar or anything like that, labels like that or sauce jars. I certainly don't go to the effort because it can take a lot of work. I do know of people who soak them and get them off but that's just a lot of hard work and the whole thing busy life and all of that I try to make life as easy for myself as I possibly can 1850 and just one other issue I want to uh, deal with is Swabili and Bandham who was listening to the piece that we're running on the news this morning about the Gardaí getting these new handheld to de- devices to detect those that are driving around without no insurance. Billy said, surely these devices should be built into the patrol car. What good is it if you're sitting on the side of the road in a dark evening uh, and a dark winter's night and a car goes flying by, by you at 60 to 80 kilometres, not speeding, but doing, you know, motoring along with no insurance? Is there going to be a chase? Or will they have, will they have to need additional manpower and have somebody parked down the road so they can notify the red car coming? It doesn't have insurance. No, that's not the way they're going to operate. You are right. The guard, they are going to be given these handheld uh, devices and it will instantly tell them if a vehicle has insurance uh, or not. And they're going to be rolled out at the end of the year. The officers, what will happen is they'll scan the number plate to see if the vehicle is insured when they pull somebody over onto the side of the road. That then is linked to a new database of uninsured drivers. The move is in an attempt to clamp down on the rise of the numbers who are taking to the road without insurance. Now, from all, for all of us from a driver's point of view, it could and should lead to reduction in the premiums that we are paying. Experts say the use of the technology will mean uninsured drivers will have nowhere to hide. By the way, if you're sitting there thinking how many uninsured drivers are on the road, they estimate it could be as high as 150,000 drivers every year. What's happening is the insurance companies are providing Gardaí with lists of vehicles that have insurance cover on them. And they're also giving them lists that do, that do not have insurance cover. And that's based on the licence plate number and the driver's name. The list is then being loaded onto this automatic number plate recognition system which will be operated by the Gardaí. It's expected that Gardaí will have the handheld devices based off a specially designed app which will allow them to check the car at the roadside and get an instant result. The new system is set to be rolled out at the end of this year according to the latest progress report from the government's Cost of Insurance Motor Working Group. If it works to reduce the number of uninsured drivers, the new measure is expected to lead to demand from drivers that insurers must cut premiums because motorists who legally pay for their insurance premiums 
we all have to fund payouts for accidents caused by uninsured or unidentified drivers. And we do that through the Motor Insurance Bureau of Ireland. A portion of all of our, I think this is it 50 euro a year of our motor insurance premiums goes to the Motor Insurance Bureau of Ireland. There are close to 2,800 insurance claims a year due to uninsured and unidentified drivers. So bring it on, bring it on. But just to warn people, you, will, you, you literally will have nowhere to hide if you are one of those 150,000. That's a lot of uninsured drivers on the road. But Billy, no, they're not going to be parked in a, and in a dark corner trying to catch people out. This has nothing to do with catching people out. It's that somebody gets pulled in. For whatever reason they get pulled in, you know, if they're stopping for uh, drink driving, for example, or they're doing the on-the-spot drink driving checks that they do, or if they're just suspicious of somebody, they can pull them in and check to see and instantly find out if they have insurance or not. 1850-333-103. A quick break and we're back talking with Joe Heffernan. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Joe Heffernan uh, joins us and today we are continuing on a discussion that we started last week which is advice for people uh, bereaved through uh, suicide. Uh, good afternoon to you Joe. Good afternoon And uh, you're, you're very welcome. Okay uh, bereaved, bereavement through suicide we started on this uh, last week and I suppose when uh, when you lose a loved one through suicide the one thing is is the questions the amount of questions that people have following the death. It, yeah. Is it fair to say you may never get the answers, particularly if a note wasn't left? And what you might have to do eventually is sort of settle for either no answers or partial answers or, you know, but um, the the main thing would be to understand that um, uh, changes in attitude, changes in behaviour, changes in thinking. Um, It doesn't mean you're going crazy. It means that you're in mourning. It means that you're extremely upset. And um, even though that, I mean, one is never going to forget, but I think there's a difference between forgetting and letting go. That like, that, that we can as it were, live our daily life um, and that that isn't um, disrespectful or whatever word would come to mind about um, about the event that has taken place. Um, <coughs> in other words, if one goes to the cinema or, uh, you know, watches... Um, uh, a bit of whatever on the telly, it doesn't mean that one need feel guilty and saying, oh my God, am I very uncaring? No, what you are is surviving. And we we, we need to do that in the light of terrible uh, news. Um, and again, like to to be very, very clear that even though it sounds cold, that it's up to a person to decide whether to be permanently hurt by the last act of a free individual or not, and that this option is yours. 
that's a quotation from a book written by a person called Lake, I think, in 1984. I came across it doing the bit of research for, you know, last week and today. And Power, and it's a powerful past. statement, but a very true statement. It is. Yeah. It is. And then uh, while people struggle to try to get answers, which, you know, as you say, you may, may never be found. I, I think the next obvious feeling then is blame. People will blame themselves. Could I? Should I? What didn't I see? Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, you know, again, um, uh, we were saying there last week that um, no one is responsible for either the happiness or unhappiness um, of another. Now, if, I mean, let's be factual, that if there was a row or if a person feels that they shouldn't have said that, well, then we need to practice some forgiveness as well. Um, I mean, for ourselves, um, <coughs> did I intend to do harm? Of course not. But, um, you know, we can be very, very hard on ourselves, as we often discussed under different headings um, down through the years. But um, uh, we we need to be gentle. We need to kind of understand that this was the act of another person. And that um, no one is responsible, ultimately, for the actions uh, of another person. Um, uh, even um, suicidal thoughts can enter family members. Um, am I going completely crazy? Um, I, it crossed my mind to take my own life. And I would say suicidal thoughts and suicidal acts are planets literally planets apart. Yeah, and that's well recognised and well accepted, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because um, <clears throat> there are times that life can get us down. There are times that um, that life can seem, oh, I don't know... Just unfair. Unfair. It's a good word, unfair. And, um, and that we feel that we've been dealt a very tough uh, hand uh, but um, I, I mean, all I, all we can do at times is just carry on, keep breathing, keep walking, uh, keep, uh, you know. Yeah, one get one foot out of bed every day. I was, I think, at the weekend because there was so much about armistice and the First World War, mm. and there were so many stories being relayed. And I heard of one woman from, I think she was outside Derry uh, somewhere, and four of her sons she sent to battle, and not one of them returned. I saw that, and and it went like from week after week to the to a telegram arriving, and I just remember thinking, oh, how did that woman? pick herself up and dust herself down and just get on with life. And she had no choice but to get on with it. So it's it's always been there. You know, you get a resilience from somewhere. You think I'll never be able to smile again. I'll never be able to laugh again. I'll never be able to live again. And you get, it's a resilience, isn't it? It comes from somewhere. It comes, it's a good way to put it. It comes from somewhere. Um, because when we're in a situation and where we have no choice, we need to know that we can survive. There are times we might think, I just can't take anymore. Um, but we, we, we can um, survive, even though we might feel overwhelmed at times um, by these awful feelings. 
But then we need to know as well, like in any trauma, that these feelings um, are normal. They're not pleasant. They're 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 horrible feelings. But they are they they're normal. I remember reading um, uh, an article um, sometime about uh, the Irish rugby star Jack McGrath, who was dealing with his brother's suicide, and he found it was incredibly tough. And a quotation was, I always felt that keeping my emotions in was the way to deal with it. When you have this knot in your stomach, you're struggling to get up in the morning. Eventually you start talking and it's nearly like a gas valve releasing. Um, And these two were very, very close brothers. But he said the longer you keep it bottled up, the worse it's going to get. And he encourages others to talk about their problems. The smallest thing you say to someone can make a difference. So that was just one of the things. That, and, um, and talk to somebody as in someone you can trust or a professional, somebody like in your line. Yeah. 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 I mean, um, if there is a family member who is empathic and who can, you know, that you feel safe um uh, that they're not going to come back with something um, silly like, uh, you know, get over it or pull yourself together or some awful uh, phrase like that um, because that would not help. In fact, I mean, however bad you'd feel, you'd feel worse after hearing something like that. But someone who maybe won't say anything but would just listen but, yeah, and yeah. would listen in a in a really listening mode and, you know that they mightn't do much more than a nod, a nod, a kind of like keep going. Um, because like we can, a person in a situation like that uh, can feel, um, you know, rejected, abandoned, and maybe to be able to say that, to say I feel very isolated. I feel like there's no one understands me. Um, and the fact of the matter is that there's very few who really can. Um, but maybe to understand that too. But uh, a hug, a cup of tea, um, uh, you know. Uh, and that's why support groups, I always think, are great to be with people who've been through something similar. You yes, know, I, I, was, uh, I, I was. I spent a night in Mallow, um, a sad but pleasant night, um, with the Bethany group. Yeah. And um, I, 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 you know, it, it, it was a very hopeful evening. Um, people shared uh, about uh, things that happened to family members. Um, some uh, where violence was uh, included in a death. And, um, you know, you'd come away feeling humbled. You'd come away feeling... You know, um, if if that person can cope, um, maybe there's hope for us all mm. kind of thing. Do you know? And you talk about some of the feelings, Joe, that people will, will go through when they're experiencing loss um, through suicide. I mean, a total feeling of numbness and shock. That would be, I imagine, the very early days. Yes. Yes, and I think that's a kind of a protective thing. We often hear about the word denial and it gets a bad press, like, um, oh my God, he's in denial. But maybe we need to be in denial for a little while. Yeah. Um, you know, that um, 
because if we took on board the entirety of a situation, um, we mightn't be able to um, to stand up. Um, we mightn't be able to function in any kind of a normal way. Um, they, of course, there's the physical things as well. Um, there can be uh, headaches. There, there, there can be tummy upsets. There can be I can't eat anything. I have no appetite. Um, and uh, and and all of that. And that again, I think it's very um, reassuring to hear that's normal. That, um, as we say in critical incidents work, um, you're a normal person reacting in a normal way to a very abnormal situation. So the abnormality is in the event rather than in the person. And and that can be reassuring too. It's nice to hear um, that's a normal reaction. I remember a person who had been through an awful trauma kind of um, issuing a big sigh of relief and say, oh, so I'm not going crazy. <sighs> and... Um, and uh, and it was a great relief, like to yeah. to to kind of realise that, because I suppose when our normal functioning of everyday life is um, uh, badly impaired, we can think: Will I ever be able to to concentrate again? Will I ever be able to just have a normal day again mm. when I can do the things that I always did? Yeah, you and get so overwhelmed with everything that's yeah. going on. And then there's there's later on then there's various different uh, feelings. I mean, enormous pain. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've, 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 a pain that almost feels uh, physical uh, or a pulling down around the tummy area that you just feel like there's a there's a there's a cannonball in there. There's um, there's a huge ball of um, pain, uh, not maybe physical pain, but pain that so- that seems to kind of resonate between the mind, uh, the emotions, and uh, and 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 the physical, um, and you know feelings of 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 panic. Um, I I'm not able to cope, but. The funny thing is, or the peculiar thing is, um, you mightn't think that you can survive this, but people do. And those who are in a bad situation um, will survive as well, but maybe not in the next 10 minutes. Like, it it mightn't be. um, We'd all like to feel better right now, but sometimes maybe we've to sit out the bad time and maybe a distraction isn't a bad thing to sort of try and keep going. Um, it could be making a cup of tea. It could be uh, painting that door that needed a bit of paint. You know, um, any old thing. Um, and, and we all know that one of the stages of bereavement can be anger, which yeah. can be one that can almost floor somebody because they wouldn't expect, why would I be feeling angry when I'm in so much pain and, I, and I'm grieving so much? But that is a very normal part. Oh, yeah. You can feel anger even at the person um, who died, the poor person who died. Yeah, I mean that wasn't the way they wanted to end their lives either. Um, uh, you, you, you know, um, uh, when when times were good, um, you know they would have been appalled um, if they had um, foresight to say that could happen to me. And I suppose, like. Um, uh, 
you know, the anger can be at the whole world. It can be at the person. It can be at friends. It can be at whatever God one believes in. It can be at yourself. And and it's okay to express that in, a, in an assertive way, to be able to say, I am extremely angry. Um, you know, uh, and we can get mixed up. We can get mixed up with what we're angry at. I mean, I would be very angry at the 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 cancer that uh, our son uh, got, uh, and it would be very easy of an evening to mix that up with anger at the person. Yeah, yeah. there's no logic to it. I mean, it isn't like um, oh, that's uh, <laughs> that's bad or that's bizarre. You know what I mean? It's it's um, we're human beings, and and. Uh, And we suffer. Yeah, and we're going to experience so all of these uh, various feelings. And I think it's just for people to know it's normal. You're not going to be the first to experience this and you're certainly not going to be the last. I mean, you talk about things that, that can help. Uh, I mean, the obvious one is, is trying to understand the grieving process. And that's what that's what we're trying to, to do by doing these pieces uh, on, on the radio. I mean, you talk about consulting with your GP. You, you need absolutely. to open up and share. Absolutely. I mean, a person may be so overwhelmed um, for a little while uh, following um, a trauma that, um, that they may need um, some um, medicinal help. Um, but the, the big danger would be with people who would self-medicate and decide like that, um, you know, uh, say alcohol um, might help. Or um, uh, some well-meaning friend might say, "I have just the thing for you," but I would be saying that that, that would be a very, very um, uh, not helpful thing to do. So, of course, um, uh, the GP will is will be understanding and will know whether. Um, uh, to refer to, we'll say, talk therapy, or um, maybe refer to talk therapy and uh, prescribe something very short term um, to just get a person over a few days, maybe a week, that um, that they're just um, overwhelmed, and uh, and and uh, that has its place too, of course. Um, and uh, you know, but be led by your GP. They will. They, oh, they will know. They, and, they will and know. Don't be led completely by your emotions. Yeah. I mean, it's not a time to sell up your home. It's not a time to. Uh, it's not a time for major life-changing yeah. decisions. Yeah. Even yeah. though that these kind of drastic measures might cross one's mind. Um. I'm going to sell the place because it's a reminder all the time. It might not be a clever idea to do that. Yeah, I, I've I read somewhere, um, and and I've 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 seen it. Been um, others talk about it as well. That they say for any bereavement that for the first year, get the first year, the first anniversary before you make any sort of a life decision. And if you still feel the same way a year after bereavement then if you want to make changes. But don't make any of those because you don't want to make a decision that you're then going to regret. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, um, a, a rash decision, a rushed decision um, in a time of emotional turmoil um, might just be 
the uh, wrong the wrong decision the wrong decision yeah yeah, yeah. alright we'll come back to this again next week and I know we also want to move it on to uh, children when there's children involved which just brings another layer uh, to uh, death by suicide uh, yeah. but thank you uh, Joe for that have a lovely week and the same and, and God bless we'll talk again next week that is uh, Joe Heffernan Joe runs a counselling practice in Bohip Way his number is 029 767 and that's where I leave you for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon we're back to you tomorrow morning at uh, 10 o'clock on to then I'm Patricia Messenger enjoy the rest of your Tuesday Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see breedhaven.ie see one even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.